podcast is brought to you by the good people over at Gamefly. With over 9,000 titles for the PS4, PS3, Xbox One, Xbox 360, Nintendo Switch, Wii, and other consoles, there's no better time for gamers to make the most of their systems by using Gamefly to play all the new and classic games for as little as 32 cents a day. To start your 30-day free trial, head on over to cinemageekly.com slash Gamefly or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Episode of I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, Cinema Geekly's Star Trek podcast. It's the Chief Petty Officer, Anthony Lewis, along with the Fleet Admiral, Ben Knight. Ben, how does it feel to finally be reunited with Starfleet after this long, long, long time apart? We're finally well, together again. Yeah, it's a, it's a relief, I won't lie. Um, I see that Admirals in the future are still kind of dicks. Uh, yeah. but... <laughs> that trait has never really changed, apparently. No. No, um, but yeah, yeah, that's nice, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's a lot more um, it's a lot more grey than I'd imagined. I won't lie, yeah. but uh, this pro- programmable material is good fun, isn't it? Pretty great. It reminds me of that that um, that sand, the smart sand in in the. If you can remember all the way back <laughs> yes. to the year twenty twenty, it reminds me a lot of that. <laughs> yes. Um, mm. So we've got two episodes to talk about this week. Um, so let's begin with uh, Discovery Season 3, Episode 5, Die Trying, which I don't think anybody died trying. No one died trying. So good. That's good. Uh, yep. Usually it's bad if people end up doing that. So uh, we're glad no one did. Uh, using Senatal's memories, uh, Adira guides Discovery to the new Starfleet headquarters, which is basically just like a pocket in space. Right, it's just like there's a distortion field that's Pocket being universe, kind of, yeah, yeah. a little bit. Um, it's just sort of a bunch of ships hanging out behind a distortion field. Um, yeah. Starfleet CNC Charles Vance asks Michael Burnham, Saru, and Adira to beam over to the base where Adira is taken away from medical testing. Vance informs Saru that uh, and Burnham that the crew will be interrogated and reassigned while their ship is studied, which Saru uh, agrees to in hopes of uh, earning the trust of current Starfleet. Realizing, though, that Starfleet is dealing with a health crisis that could be solved through the seed archives aboard the, uh, I believe it is the Tikoff? Mm-hmm. 
Um, Burnham receives approval from Vance to take the Discovery crew there and uh, with the spore drive to retrieve the seeds. They find the occupants of the Tikoff dead, except for a man who is fatally injured. He is the same species as the security officer uh, Nan on Discovery. Um, I forgot what her species is. But uh, mm-hmm. oh, I forgot to. Uh, yep. The d- I haven't got my notes open, so that's helpful. <laughs> uh, they decide to. Uh, she decides to remain on the Tikoff to ensure that he and his family receive a proper burial. Discovery, meanwhile, returns to Starfleet with the seeds and an antidote for the health crisis is synthesized. Vance agrees that the Discovery crew may remain together, but they must answer to him. Uh, so what did you think of Die Trying, Ben? Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I think it's interesting that the A plot felt like a B plot mm-hmm. um, in some ways, which was strange. Yeah, uh, It continues to be like really trekky track. Yes. Um, this is probably the trekkiest of the tracks. So I don't know. Um, yeah, it, it, this was... A, a peculiar episode because mm-hmm. the the a the a plot and b plot were sort of slightly fighting for supremacy and there were times i was thinking hang on a minute what's going on with them as opposed to what's going on with what i'm saying yeah um and it happened both ways around the i mean like the obvious goal of this episode is the debriefing of the discovery's crew by various holograms yes and the epitome of that is um everyone's favorite bad girl yes. uh bl- blinking the holograms into uh <laughs> yes into crashing that was uh, by a, the way that felt like shades of like original series star trek where they oh, get yeah. like m- like muds androids or whatever to like short circuit yeah uh by I mean, confounding them with like la- like logic traps or something yeah i the, the whole I mean, it was it was beautifully done. Uh, I mean, it, uh, the science of it was sketchy, but she figured. Uh, yeah, she figured out how to blink on a frequency that would disrupt them. She do, uh, but I mean, the, the the whole like the the other part of that scene, of course, is these are the the Cronenberg scenes, and um, you know, you're left wondering whether he's given that job with her, and why you know why is it being supervised as opposed to the other ones which aren't. Um, is he section 31 he talks about her three timelines which of course is technically right but uh-huh. also an odd thing for him to focus on yeah um he knows what buttons to press with her there's a lot going on there oh yeah in terms of we are informed you know, that uh the the rift to the mm. mirror universe has been sealed like permanently or something i guess 500 years since the last um yes crossover uh, because of the universes effectively moving relative to each other further away mm-hmm. and so on. Um, you know, so there's there's all of that stuff. Which and, is, and also, she probably, last time we saw the Mirror Universe, she probably wouldn't be a big fan of how, like, humanity was uh, was mm. holding up <laughs> in the Mirror Universe. Oh, it wasn't cool. doing, it was not doing so well. Yeah, and I, I think um, Barzan, that was, sorry, it just came to my brain what species she is. Barzan, um, that's right. They had a wormhole. That's the ones. Um, yeah, so there's... Uh, oh, the debriefing scenes are great. I mean, Tilly yep. talking about, um, you know, after I got my hair blown out and became a Terran captain slash dominatrix. <laughs> um, she was all awesome. All of that stuff. Yep. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there was a lot of fun <clears throat> here. Reno's scenes, um, Reno continues to be... Awesome. Easily yeah. one of my favorite characters. 
uh, Commander Burnham fell out of the sky with Captain Pike. Um, <laughs> fair enough. I mean, there's there's so much to like about here, and you know, in this episode, because obviously we've got two episodes that we're covering, but in this episode, yeah, you get full on Starfleet Admiral in uh, in Oded Fair um, as Charles Vance. He comes across as an asshole, and it, it, it's the nice line from uh, Burnham to uh, to the Admiral's Chief of Security, whose name I've forgotten. Um, where she basically makes a point going, yeah, do you know what? We'd be behaving the same way you're behaving if yeah. we were in your position, so I get it. And I quite like that line because it does slightly pull you away from, oh, I see another Starfleet Admiral's an asshole. Yeah. Um, and does kind of make the point, actually, what what would they do in this situation? Because that's not a new yeah. sort of type of dynamic for Star Trek, and we've seen it a thousand times over. So, and quite so- honestly, he does give them chances to prove themselves. He's like, we mm-hmm. want to believe you. Um, yeah. You know, they're yeah. like, all the stuff we did, because he's like, look, technically, you're kind of a criminal. Uh, we had this whole actual, I mean, uh, I'm sure. One war that went on forever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure none of you guys, like, do you guys remember that holodeck show that you watch, uh, Star Trek Enterprise? Like, they had a cold war, a temporal cold war, but we had, like, a real, like, a, a real temporal war. That was banned, and then you guys just using time travel to show up here kind of makes you criminals. Uh, and then she's like, well, yes, okay, we had no way of knowing that. But also, mm-hmm. uh, we were on a mission to try to save uh, all organic life because it wouldn't exist if it wasn't for us. And he's like, okay, well, we owe you a debt of gratitude for that. But all we really have is your word to take for it. Like, yeah, we kind of don't really know what to expect from you. Um, which, which is kind of fair, you know? It is. Uh, yeah. And to be honest... Uh, they use one of the the smartest things. Uh, this is really something that sort of worked out in their favor by deciding to move the show so far into the future is discovery is otherwise relatively useless. It is technologically inferior, even though mm. it looks like it's just as superior as all the other ships uh, because of the uh, the design options that they decided to go with. Uh, for the show, it looks about on the level of every other ship, but technically in the story, it is supposed to be inferior. Uh, but it does have the spore drive, which makes it go anywhere that they want it to go. It's like, a great leveler, isn't it? Yeah, so they're like, you're very drive. useful. Yeah. A spore drive that's top secret until the next episode. And yeah. even still at this point in the future, because Spock clearly did a good job. Yep. And, um, and of course, the, the rest of the fleet being crippled by the lack of dilithium. Yep, is you know that's a really nice way of not having Voy- uh, Voyager having Discovery just sat there as a. Oh, but of, we can talk about that, Ben. I know. Well, I was skipping ahead in my mind to the fact that <laughs> okay, let's just do it. Those ships. I mean, the ships all, in the Starfleet I, I, convoy. Yes. Let's nod to um, USS Nog for a moment. That was awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, very uh, so, sweet. A tribute to the character, to the actor, um, Aaron and, Eisenberg, uh, yeah. and everything. Yeah, I mean that's that was just a, a thing of beauty. Yeah, they stated um, that it was in. Ship. I was going to say yeah, and they stated that it is an Eisenberg class ship, so it's like a yes. double, a double nod to the actor yeah. and the character, which uh, you know is one of those it, things that's really sweet because by naming the ship after the character, that sort of canonizes the importance of the character. Mm-hmm. in Star Trek mm-hmm. that, you know, hundreds of years later, 
they're naming ships after this guy. Moogie um, would be proud. Moogie would be so proud. Quark, of course, would be pissed uh, that he's not getting guess. that. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, his idiot brother, Rom, would be beaming because he is a proud papa. But um, yeah, that's uh, I, I love that. I thought that was yeah. so great. There's, it goes to, I mean, class, Starfleet, um, Starfleet, uh, sorry, Star Trek is a classy franchise, whichever way you cut it, is sure. that the people who are involved in this show, even in its slightly bleaker moments in history, mm-hmm. um, have a, a passion for for all things Star Trek in Absolutely. the same way that Star Wars fans had the same, and um, they watch their, you know, their original creator after them but um <laughs> yeah it's yeah it, it yeah that that was nice but yeah the, the the big talking points i suppose from the arrival uh well i guess d- detached nacelles which makes a lot of sense in some ways the physics is weird but we'll perhaps come back to that we will um the 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 11th sorry oh, i nearly did nearly did a tilly the 11th incarnation of voyager which is Yes, um, the Voyager J. Yeah, which looks like one of the multi-vector ships from Star Trek Online, uh, mm-hmm. which is interesting. There are um, posters produced by CBS uh, that came out this week, which give you a slightly better look at a couple of the ships, including uh, Voyager J. Oh, I'm going to need to see um, those. I've not seen them yet. Yeah, they're, 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 they're nice. And I don't know whether that's you know Easter egg territory or whether we're actually going to get to have a little jaunt over and a quick uh, snoop about the mm-hmm. um, Voyager J. I would love to, obviously. What we don't know until um, I, don't know, I can't remember if it's in this episode or the next, but we're on ships, I guess, at some point. Is when Discovery gets its retrofit, it becomes the uh, it becomes a Discovery A. Yes, and this is interesting because that ship was not destroyed, mm-hmm. and um, as many, many, many people have raised, the question arises of why is that getting an A even if it's just being a retrofit? There is some precedent for it in canon, but not a lot. I, yeah, I was going to say, did they... Um, I was going to say, I don't believe they renamed the Enterprise, the Enterprise A, when it got its retrofit for the motion picture. Nope, not until it went kablooey. Yep. Nope. Uh, so that is interesting. I, I do like the nod, but yeah, and we'll, and we'll talk about it when we get to it, but... Um, yeah, so it's just a bit odd that. Uh, so I'm yeah. not really sure whether that is a new ship. I mean, by the time you get to number um, eleven, I'm guessing yeah. the original bearer of the name Voyager probably long, long, long gone. Yeah, you've got like but, a ship um, of Theseus going on there, maybe where they've replaced all of the parts so many times that it's not the same ship that you started with. Sort of the USS Share. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I went. I went for more of a, a Greek classical. Uh, story i'm just just calling it out for what it is um (laughs) Um, i tried to keep it star trekky with my reference but thank you ben Uh, i'm I'm just keeping it real um, uh my favorite part about that by the way number one jay obviously for janeway uh i'm pretty sure that's why they went with that letter uh but then uh my favorite line of dialogue ben i think you may have missed it when they were like oh man i I, I would really like to know 
all of the stories behind all of those generations to which somebody in the background then chimed in. Uh, I hope they made a TV show about it. And for the finale, I hope they resolved it uh, to the fans content and not left it hanging there, making people angry and bitter for years and years. It's crazy that they put that in there, but and, and putting it that guy who shouted in the background, something in Klingon, which if you go back and really carefully check it and yeah. translate it, turns out he's saying, or even a fucking movie would have done. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, some somebody was like really mad about, you know, they could have just put them in there with that last next gen movie. That was such a waste of a movie. They could have put everybody mm-hmm. in there. Um, mm-hmm. It's so weird that Star Trek became so self-referential there. But, you know, so we're living in modern crazy, times. Crazy meta now. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> fresh minds, new ideas. Uh, we, we also we also see in this episode the start of um, uh of Philippa starting to have weird um, flash. Yes. Well, I'm going to say flashbacks because mm, discuss flashback forward wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Mm-hmm. Almost certainly flashbacks, and there is one word that well we've got to talk about that's in the very messy um, audio that's tied into that flashback, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a little clearer in the second episode version of the flashback. But we hear the word "son" from Philippa. Hmm. I double well actually I like quadruple checks that that's what she was saying. Yeah. Um it is definitely what she is saying. Mm-hmm. So the, there is somebody did uh we see a bit of Burnham in there. We mm-hmm. see uh I don't know there's probably there's various sort of things you could draw from the rest of it but so I guess we're finding out that there's something gone on in terms of Philippa having a son. But the interesting thing is she doesn't start to experience this as far as we can tell, yeah. Until she's had her debrief with Cronenberg, mm-hmm. not not his character's name. Can't can't be bothered learning it. But um, I, I wonder again. This might play into the whole section thirty-one thing. I wonder if yes. what she's seeing is um, is something latent that's been triggered that might come from there. I I, I get the feeling that there is an awful lot more to Philippa than we know as yet in terms yeah. of, I suspect she's probably had more than the three timelines mm-hmm. and I suspect that might be why that was thrown in there to see if, he, if she would correct him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder if she's been um, retconned at some point and he knows that. Perhaps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we shall, we shall find out. I mean, it's a mystery, Ben. But it is a mystery. Hopefully, they make good on it. Uh, any final thoughts on episode five? And what would you give it? Um, any final thoughts? Uh, the, the, the the weak bit, uh, if there was one, I think was the the a plot with the um, botanist ship. It seemed seemed really odd to me that Burnham's the only one going. Uh, could we not just find this like the the arc ship for this? And yes. is, that, is that it? Does still exist? Really, nobody on this ship's thought about doing that. Huh? Right. That's weird. Uh, good, th- th- good thing we've come 500 or so years into the future. Yeah. God, you dumbasses. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that was a bit weird. Uh, and actually for that, the fact that it was part of the A plot and felt mm-hmm. like a B plot throwaway, it uh, yeah. did slightly shave a bit off for me. Um, I can't remember what, what degree of decimal are we going down to? Are we allowing three quarters these days? Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, do- yeah. we're doing all the quarters. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, in that case, this one is a slight drop for me, um, and it it's in the three and three quarter stage. But that's begrudging. It was it was almost a little higher. Okay, uh, I forgot about doing the quarter mark, so I left it at a four. 
But I would agree. Uh, I would revise it down to three and three quarters. I like the episode. It was a little bit of a drop, uh, but it's been a really good season still. And uh, let's see if we can keep the ball rolling with episode six, Ben, called Scavengers. And uh, this is we now get to see a fully realized and upgraded discovery uh, that is all set to utilize its future technology, including uh, including that fancy ass matter. So all of the nacelles are detached now from discovery, which is a weird look to me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We can talk about it. Um, But yeah, the programmable matter is everywhere, even on their displays. They left the displays looking like how they look. But when you interact with them. Uh, it's the programmable matter, and the crew is freaking out over all of their new tech toys. Which oh, except Batman, who's like, "Do we really need this?" Yeah, <laughs> she's like, "It was, it Batman. was, it was all right before, uh, but everyone else I, is freaking I had, out." I had an this. iPhone four, five, and that lasted me for three years. Yeah. I don't really see why I need the six. Yeah, exactly. They're, uh, the com badges that are like a, a commentary on people's phones. Because uh, she's like, it does everything. You can talk to people. You can beam. It has your heads up display. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. it, it, it's your it's your catch all. It does everything. Um, which honestly, uh, kind of surprised that it took them five hundred years to get there. Ben, we we've had phones that have been doing that forever. Well, so I, it occurred to me that when we were seeing that scene, and if, if you flip the. Um, the screen and you can read what her various different panels were and so on Tilly's was particularly clear um it was all you know very worky um but yeah just give me does social media not exist in the future <laughs> i because, guess not what a what a wonderful future well can i do i was about to say can i just say that if if they do at some point drop in you know whatever the the space age equivalent of facebook is i'm actually going to be quite sad yeah because I mean, you'd hope out of the various things that humanity would evolve away from, it, pro- probably that. Yes. I mean, that, that that would be nice if that fucked off, wouldn't it? Indeed. Can you imagine if Twitter still exists at that point in the, oh, in the future? Could I? <laughs> I bet there'd still be people saying that Trump, <laughs> that Trump's, Trump was robbed. There'd still be the uh, the lost cause, Trumpism, oh, even that far into the future. People would be questioning. I think would be the worst on Twitter. <laughs> oh, uh, without a doubt. Um, also, hashtags wouldn't work well with Klingon, come to think of it, so that's all right. So, uh, CNC Vance sends uh, the other Starfleet ships on various missions across the remaining Federation, but orders Discovery to remain put uh, because they need them for rapid response missions because of the spore drive. Then Book's ship arrives carrying a three-week-old message from him about a new discovery that he has made, a black box for a Starfleet ship that was destroyed in the burn. Burnham believes that she can use this black box to trace the origin of the said burn, uh, but Saru orders her to remain on discovery in case they are needed by Vance. Burnham agrees, but then disobeys his orders by taking Philippa and Book's ship to go find him. On the salvage planet, uh, how is this pronounced, Ben? How would you say it? Hunhau? Hunhau? Oh, I, I wouldn't pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> you, would just, yeah. you would just leave that shit to me. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. They stage a prison break for the servants working at the salvage yards, allowing their escape with uh, Book and the Black Box. When they return, Burnham is reprimanded by Vance for disobeying orders, and Saru demotes her back to her uh from her position as first officer to just uh science officer so 
Yes, she got in trouble. Um, she but, had it coming. Yeah, but Ben, let's really talk about the star of this episode, Grudge the Cat. What did you think about uh, I, episode I six? I love Grudge. I love Grudge. Um, and I particularly love how Grudge treats um, Tilly. <laughs> There, honestly, that was my favorite scene in the episode was Tilly interacting with this gargantuan cat. Like, she's like, do you know where Michael went? Yes. Like when she asks Grudge if she knows where Michael went and then she like kind of sizes up how big this cat is. And then she just goes, did you eat her? Uh, I loved it. (laughs) That cat is huge. And also Grudge, tremendous name for a cat. Oh, the best name for a cat. I'm yeah, very much there for that. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the one thing because it's just got, I gotta mention it. The one thing that's just grinding my gears about this episode. I know that Linus the Saurian is supposed to be funny, but the same gag like four uh, times a little too so, much. Yeah, yeah, just stop it. The the kind of um, almost like Star Wars type of interruption moment mm-hmm. one was really funny, but the rest of it is like less you could safe, even so. you could even maybe buy it the second time you could like take your pick um like mm-hmm. when he interrupts burnham and book when they're about to kiss uh um, yeah that, that's yeah that's what i mean by the the star wars you want that, that that's yeah that's okay but then yeah just just stop it yeah and um, it doesn't stop the kiss either they kiss they are in love these two in it yeah which i can um, take or leave yeah, no. Uh, there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions about that, isn't there? And I, I can't find it in myself to have a particularly strong opinion either way. Mm-hmm. Um, the it kind of it, it helps the the behaviour of Burnham to make sense and allows yeah. her to occupy that that kind of ground we were talking about before about being between Philippa and Saru, and that's I mean that clearly is the dynamic that they're operating. It turns out so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I love that. What what'll happen in terms of Burnham? I mean, obviously she takes her communicator off at the end of uh of that scene and I suppose that's designed to make you wonder whether that's it she's resigning her commission. She obviously isn't. Yeah. Um but there you go. The yeah, I mean this the other than grudge, obviously, the stars of this episode are the self steaming uh, ceiling stem bot. No. Uh are, what a what uh, a callback, by the way, to Deep Space Nine. Yeah, well, and again, Star Trek Online fans mm-hmm. very familiar with an awful lot of content from this episode. Um, <laughs> if I have to go looking for bloody self-sealing stem bolts again in that sodding game. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's there's so much stuff buried in this episode that it, it almost feels a bit redundant to go through it all. But yeah. um, the, the, the junkyard uh, scenes are a really good example of of how that dynamic works where you've got Burnham is behaving like a Starfleet lieutenant, other than the fact she's there at all, which of course is very much not that. Um, You've got uh, Philippa who gives um, precisely zero fucks, Mm -hmm. but does it so, so well. And we learn that there is a little bit of humanity in her because we Mm -hmm. get that she understands Burnham's motivation. Now, again, reading a bit more into Philippa, is that her, her humanity or is it because she she genuinely finds um, the Prime Universe uh, sort of notions like that to be slightly amusing. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but there's, you know, there's a degree of something that involves an emotion that isn't um, <laughs> hatred and wickedness uh, yeah. about her. And, I mean, 
Michelle Yeoh is, is just putting in the finest um, performance that uh, so far we've seen in the show because mm-hmm. she's not playing it 100% panto. No. And it would be easy to, you know, and, and there's just a little bit more nuance to her character than I think a lesser actor would give it. And I'm absolutely living for Philippa Georgia right now. Yeah. Um, the way she crushes that Orion uh, over the comms, like she's such an asshole to him. And Burnham's like, why, why, why? And she's like, that guy's a bully. He's like, and they crumble, mm-hmm. they crumble whenever they meet a bigger one. Yeah. I mean, um, she was the great. future has a big pair of bollocks in it and that they yep. belong to Philippa. Yep. Um, yeah. So, and, and it's nice to see a little bit more of the, um, the Orions that, you know, from the waist up, yep. uh, <laughs> weird callback for anyone. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the, the the whole of the stuff on the junkyard. I mean, it's it's a really there's some really excellent action sequences in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, we see a little bit more of Book's character, and I still can't quite get the measure of Book, but yeah, um, I'm I'm not hating him, but I also feel like he's a bit of a spare part at the minute. He's kind of like a um, light Han Solo type. Yeah, but without. I don't know without any interest to it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like a very I, I like think, a knockoff version, kind of. I, mean, I guess he's sort of the vehicle to um, when Burnham and or Philippa go off the rails a bit, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, he's a facilitating character rather than anything oh, else. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely the conduit. Yeah, I think if their um, love interest storyline starts to see him taking a more sort of leading role in their escapades i think that will be disappointing because that is not the natural nature of that relationship on the face of it um from what we've seen of them and i think it would just be a it's a return to a trope for a show that is doing a really good job at the moment of um subverting tropes and uh, I'd, I'd just be disappointed by that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, uh, there's a billion and one things to talk about this. I will say this, though, that when we see um, uh, Admiral Vance in this episode, it, it is the thawing of Vance, isn't it? it it's mm-hmm. the, you know, he, he's still hella angry about, obviously, Burnham's insubordination, but he treats it in a way that an admiral should. Part of it is being a dick and saying to a captain, that's your own mess, you go sort it out. Yeah. But he, he, you can see in the way that he approaches the predicament and what she's actually done, mm-hmm. that it, you can see why he's the CNC um, of, well, I, was, I nearly fell into the trap of saying Starfleet, yeah. discussed what he's the CNC of, because that's still not entirely 100% clear exactly what his role is yet. Mm-hmm. Um, the other interesting scene I thought was the confirmation, the sealing of the cannon of the meeting of the captains because it became abundantly clear there um yeah. and, well it was expressly spelt out that the spore drive a exists and mm-hmm. b no one's known about it since spock got rid of it from history yep and what a that, good job he did yeah i was about to say he's one thorough ass vulcan but we'd expect yep. none less of course um he spock constantly interfering with time uh <laughs> but yeah the the nice thing about that scene is, okay, you may not like it. You may think, oh, but 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 surely they would be sure. No, just shut up. Just accept the fact that yeah, the spore drive weird anomaly that it was, and everyone going, oh, how are you going to fix that? We now know how it was fixed. You'll trust in Spock for everything else, so distrust in, in yes. for that too. Yes. You know? um, just let it go. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, this episode, I thought the the mixture of. Um, 
the plots was far better. Um, we have to have the the sort of development of Saru, and we have to get a picture, a better picture of what is happening in um, in the Federation. But yeah. the the A plot in this episode is is very much the, the junkyard plot, and it, we learn so much through parts of that. Mm. The other thing we do learn, of course, the question arising from this episode is who is going to replace um, Burnham as number one? Yes. And it would appear on the face of it that it's got to be uh, Lieutenant Nilsson. Mm-hmm. Because if you simply follow the the rule of who does the Congo pass to when Saru yep. leaves the bridge, the answer is her. Generally speaking, yep. Um, it would explain why they rewrote. Well, they they killed as an actress. They killed her character off and then rewrote her character. Yeah. Uh, in order to to keep her in it. Um, uh, don't know whether she's the obvious choice on the bridge. But mm-hmm. then we maybe don't know enough about everyone on that bridge yet. We are getting a picture slowly. Yes. Um, I would like to see because you know Star Trek, you tend to learn a bit about characters on their first away mission episodes, don't you? Mm-hmm. And w- obviously, we're a little bit short on those so far. So I would like to start seeing a little bit more texture in terms of the bridge crew um, soon. For I don't sure. think we need to force it, but like you know we get a bit of a picture with Detman now we're, we're beginning to understand perhaps a little bit who Nilsson is mm-hmm. um, I think we've kind of understand Stamet and um, Reno and um, Colbert and people like that now which yeah. is nice uh, and we clearly understand Tilly there's a really interesting fan theory kicking around which I say interesting I, I'm going to I'm going to put this out there at the risk of being uber wrong but as a lot <laughs> okay. of people saying that Tilly will jump from being Ensign to being the first officer or at least acting first officer Ooh. on Discovery, let me just say I'm going to call that out and say not a chance Yeah, because I don't think that's what they're going to do either if An Ensign, even if like massively promoted over what like five, six ranks um, to a commander rank which you have to well, you'd have to have at least a tenant commander, wouldn't you, to be a first officer in theory? Um, it, it just ain't gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Um, what it might do is Lieutenant Nilsson perhaps moves up to um, lieutenant commander in order to become first officer, which might create a little bit of a, a space rank wise for um, Tilly to occupy, possibly. Um, but I don't see any major restructuring going on in Discovery. It would be a very odd choice to take Burnham out of that role and then do anything other than move one person. I think too much of a restructure in a show that's just now bedding down um, would perhaps be a bit daft. But we have still got to resolve the issue of excessive um, medical officers and uh, excess engineers Mm -hmm. at some point. And I'm not quite sure where that's going to go. I guess what we might see, given that um, we know that this this show is going to be different from a lot of Star Trek history, is we're going to see um, people on Discovery's crew seconded, maybe, for the odd episode here and there onto some of those other ships. That I would very much enjoy. I think it's a very expensive way of making this TV show, but because that's a whole lot of sets going on mm-hmm. but it would be really interesting to see um, how Discovery crew are uh, how they function on um, 
modern ships in the Discovery universe. So mm-hmm. seeing a couple of Discovery's bridge crew uh, having to go on a mission on the Voyager J to take an example, mm-hmm. I think that could be fascinating because I think we would learn an awful lot about both them and the the, the new ships and sure. you know, maybe a little bit of history. Um, if you're looking for a fast track storytelling device, that is the one. Mm-hmm. But man, that's an expensive way of making this show. Yes, it is. It really is. I mean, they're basically keeping all of the sets the same, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, and they're just kind of changing a little bit of the exterior um, and some of the visual effects when it comes to the the interactivity or whatever uh, of some of the stuff. Uh, you're talking about the the they're talking about the self sealing stem bolts in this episode, Ben. But there was also <laughs> another fantastic cameo by uh, a next gen era phaser uh, yeah. as well. Uh, Which a big clue to um, uh, to I was gonna say what's a guy? Uh, big clue to Philippa there mm-hmm. that she she says specifically she's looking for pre twenty fifth century. Yep, I think. And now that technically is, but only just. And yep. she turns her nose up at it. Yep. And I just wonder. I mean, how the hell does she know that? Unless she wibbly wobbly mm-hmm. timey wimey. Yeah. Mm, yeah, we'll see. Uh, it was weird how she knew to react to that so quickly. I didn't mm. make like a mental note of that. I'm like, that's odd. But oh, I, 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 I had to double check the dates on my little chart just yes. to make sure that I wasn't imagining it. But no, she should not have known to turn her nose up at that. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I enjoyed this episode too. Uh, I thought it felt for me it was around. It felt within the same. Uh, it felt it felt like it filled the same pocket as the last episode. Like this mm-hmm. felt like a bit of a a soft reset, uh, a little bit. Uh, like they're mm-hmm. re putting pieces into place. Like now we've gotten back with Starfleet, but now we need to tell you what's going on with Starfleet and how that is all looking. And now we're going to be moving towards whatever our end goal is uh, mm-hmm. for the season. Um, so I like this episode, but um, it just felt like positioning some things into place. Uh, Burnham's, uh, um, you know, so Burnham's quest uh, to disobey orders and to rescue Booker was one of those things where, I mean, she got like the dad talk at the end mm-hmm. from Vance and not just her, but Saru as well. Like, you know, if you guys just thought to like come to me and ask if you <laughs> like could do, I may have said yes. He's like dangerous, yes, but I may have thought that the risk was worth it, considering what you were going after. Uh, but uh, neither of them did that. This was kept amongst themselves, and uh, they kind of both got a bit of a stern talking to, which which is weird, by the way, because I thought after that, like, oh, okay, well, the dust is settled. But Saru is like, no, I don't know if I can trust you anymore, so I'm demoting you. Um, which sort of felt like a bit of a quick about face. I know Saru is very by the book. But he was also following orders effectively because what Vance True. was clearly doing was saying, you know what you've got to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, you, you talk about a sort of soft reset. This this show has had... <laughs> a lot of famous, them. A lot of false, uh, false starts. But one thing that um, people were really curious about when Discovery was being leaked information about was the idea that this is not about a captain. And we know it's not going to be about Saru, that much is clear. Yeah. We know that it's not going to be about um, uh, about um, Discovery yeah. 
itself as like writ large uh, yeah yeah so you know the, the idea at the start of this was clearly the original pitch which was we will follow a, a, a an officer mm-hmm. who is on discovery the, she, that person turns out to be burnham yeah. is is our is our protagonist mm-hmm. and if she's simply the first officer on the bridge of discovery that's i mean it's new it'd be like having you know Riker as the, the lead role of of enterprise sorry of um, next gen yeah but it, it, that wouldn't be in any sense new or um uh, evolutionary in this we now take burnham out of necessarily the bridge we've heard that she's you know going to busy herself on um uh sort of was it science only duties i can't remember what she said yeah yeah, yeah. um which gives her scope for disappearing off on little sciencey missions. And Saru's not stupid. Saru probably knows that not having her as first officer um, gives her an opportunity to go off and be sciencey in inverted commas, which gives her legitimacy. It gives her the scope to go and do stuff with other people. Um, I think we might see Discovery always being, you know, the central anchor point of plots, but we're probably going to be following Burnham and Philippa and maybe Book and so on. I think way more as the A plots with Discovery as the B plot. Mm. And that is an evolution in Star Trek storytelling. And it's the one we were promised in many ways. Yeah. Um, So where do you land on um, episode six? What do you think of Scavengers, Ben? What would you give it? I give it a marginally better than the previous episode, and please don't think these scores are being harsh. I give it a four because um, all the things we've discussed, plus the fact that this is our um, first sort of away, as in ground um, mission, bit of mm-hmm. uh, a bit of bog standard fighting with bad guy aliens, and yep. I thought it was very nicely put together. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 we haven't mentioned in this show, even though we've mentioned it in everyone before. God, Discovery continues to be so pretty. Mm-hmm. Yes. Such a pretty show. Um, so, yeah, it gets a square four. I was teetering on four and a quarter, in fact. In fact, do you know what? Hell, I'm going to give it a four and a quarter. Oh, there it is. look at that. Yeah, I, I went soft four with this one as well. Uh, like, really, Grudge put it over the top for me. Uh, <laughs> the Grudge Tilly scene. Like, <laughs> him walking down her back. She's like kind of half hunched over, like not sure what to do. And the cat Stunt is just, cat. yes, the cat yeah. is just casually like walking wherever it wants. Um, yeah. I mean, look, even that scene when they like, uh, when the ship auto hailed and like the view screen turned on and it's just the cat like looking at them. <laughs> uh, tremendous. Like every one of my work Zoom calls. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, just good stuff. Like the show continues to be excellent this season. Um, mm. And it's a big recommend. Uh, and I'm super curious about uh, the next episode, I guess. Like they did. I Did you see the next time on Discovery bit that they no, showed? We don't get it on the Netflix release uh, in the UK, which means I have to go and look it up afterwards. And I so there's I don't want to. There's pieces. There's pieces of Vulcan stuff. It looks like they maybe go to Vulcan in the Ooh. next episode, which actually now kind of does make sense a little bit with the episode title uh, for the next one because it is, is it? it is named after uh, a famous next gen two parter, which featured Spock and the attempted unification of Romulus and Vulcan. Um, 
and it is titled in such a way that it would make you think that it is a follow-up to those episodes. Uh, so we'll find out for sure, I guess, when we talk about it. Uh, and we'll do that next time, folks, because that's the podcast for this week. Uh, head on over to cinemageekly.com to check out the archives of the show. And, of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast. Hit subscribe. And that way you can come back next time to hear us talk about more Discovery. Season 3, Episode 7, called Unification 3. Unification 3.